0: Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you have a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Now, I'm going to conclude our teaching series regarding uh, Stand Strong. Stand Strong has been our teaching series over these last few weeks. And uh, I I just have to say, I missed out on some stuff in church life. I missed out on some stuff as I was growing up, because I didn't actually start going to church till I was 14. So I missed out on a whole lot of Sunday school stuff. You know, like the kind of stuff that goes into tenacious. But way back in the 80s and 70s, it was done a little bit differently. I'm told. So when I met my wife, who's grown up in church life, uh, she, uh, she informed me that when you went to Sunday school, some of you might know this, there was such a thing called a sword drill. A sword drill. Some of you smiling. Some of you have no idea. But the smiles tell me you know what I'm talking about. The sword drill was when you understood that your Bible was the sword. It was the Word of God. And so someone would say a scripture, John 3.16, and psh, you have to find it. Imagine that. Imagine not typing in a Bible verse, but you actually had to turn pages. You actually had to turn pages. Look at this preacher. He doesn't even have a Bible on the pulpit. What's going on? Sword drill. Sword drill. So important. I missed out on a load of stuff like that, obviously uh, not growing up in a Christian home. But uh, you know, it's a bit strange that actually you think we're telling kids to, uh, to use their swords. We could get in all kinds of uh, issues if that was misunderstood. But you know, the Bible, to- the, the Bible talks about itself as being the Word of God, as being the sword of the Spirit. Okay? So in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, we've been reading, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And as I've said each time, but I want to say this again if you're listening online for the first time or if you've joined us today, just to clarify what's happening here. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. He's under house arrest elsewhere. And so he's most likely with a Roman soldier. Whether he's chained to him or not, we don't know. But he's definitely around in the house because he can't leave that house. He's under house arrest. And so as he's thinking about what he's writing to this church to encourage them, he gets the inspiration as he sees the soldier. And he speaks about about the fact that Christ's followers can wear the armor of God. And he says, we've been looking at the fact that that there is a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. If you've missed any of those, catch up with them on our YouTube channel. But today I want to look finally in verse 17. Where it says these words, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation, we talked about that last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the, the, the Self-explanatory here, take up your sword, the sword of the Spirit, what's that? It's the word of God. It's what God has spoken. The actual meaning of the verse is not only the written word, but actually what God has spoken. Take it. It's the sword of the Spirit. Now, as I was considering, how can we understand what it means to take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? Uh, I believe one great way to do this is to look at how Jesus did it. Let's take a look at what Jesus did. And some of you will be familiar uh, with the passage in, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus is baptized... And then he goes out into the wilderness. And it says that the Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. And during that time for 40 days, he is tested and he is tempted. So before he begins to preach and teach and heal the sick, he actually spends this time in the wilderness. And it's a time of testing. And also a time of temptation. And each time he is tempted, some of you will know, in Matthew 4, verse 3, for example... The enemy says to him, if you are the Son of God. That's always the first line of the, temp- of the temptation. If you are the Son of God. Let's start right there and recognize that most of the issues we have to deal with is when our identity is questioned. Our identity, who we are in God, who you are as, as a valuable human being is constantly being questioned. Jesus, his identity was questioned, his sonship, his relationship with Father God. Remember last week I talked about the fact that the, 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 the uh, tempter comes to the first human beings and says, did God really say that? Right? He hasn't changed. He hasn't got any new tricks, friends. Okay? That's why Bob, Bob says the Bible says we can be uh, aware of his schemes because he hasn't got any new tricks. Okay? The first way is best to sow some doubt. If you're the son of God... If that's who you really are, if the Father really loves you. Now, back in chapter 3, literally a couple of verses before this, in verse 17, Jesus comes out of the water of baptism, and there's a voice from heaven. It says in verse 17, God says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately there's a temptation that comes with the question, If you're the Son of God. If you are. Friends, this would always be challenged. And we need to know how to react. Notice that Jesus, when he received that affirmation, that the Father was pleased with him, he had not done one minute of his inverted commas, ministry. He had not healed the sick. He had not turned water to wine. He had not done any of these different things. And yet the Father says, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Friends, our Identity in God is not reliant on our performance. Our identity in God is not dependent on how well we think we have done or how well others think we have done or how badly others might inform us that we have done. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father was pleased with Jesus before any work had been done. But we've got to remember that in the battle, our identity is always challenged. You see, if we don't grasp that our identity is in Christ, we will try to find it somewhere else. It's how we're wired, friends. We need to know who we are. What did we sing this morning? That's who I am. That's who I am. You're you singing about yourself. But actually, if you look in the Psalms, it's quite good to remind ourselves of who we are in Him. Somebody put it like this. If you live for other people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. If we're constantly trying to be accepted by others, we'll die from the rejection because there is rejection along the way, if that's our focus. Our identity is in Him, and the enemy knows this. So when we doubt our identity, we're more vulnerable to temptation. When we doubt our identity, we're more vulnerable to do the things that actually we'd rather not do. When we doubt our identity, we become insecure and we begin to make some wrong decisions. If you look back, and uh, don't look back too far, but you know some of the wrong decisions that we make are out of insecurity. If you're the son of God. Let me just get a couple of verses up here, just to encourage us here this morning. John 1 verse 12. Yet to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 1 John 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called Children of God. And that is what we are. Friends, I make no apology this morning of keeping this part real simple, because that is who we are. Children of God. Friends, our identity will all, always be questioned, and we need to know that we're loved by the Father. We need to know that He's pleased with us. We need to know that we are His children. I'm not busy earning God's favor. I get to live in His favor. So, having said that, what does Jesus do? Because every time He's challenged in this, uh, uh, these verses in Matthew chapter 4, if you're the Son of God, and how does Jesus reply? Jesus replies, it is written. Every time, Jesus replies, it is written. He comes back to the authority and the Word of God. Each and every time, in verse 4 and verse 7 verse 10, Listen friends if it's good enough for Jesus it's good enough for us today he simply says it is written my wife doesn't agree with this practice but occasionally i have been known to not only attend but sell at a car boot sale now some of you are like oh my dear what is he doing are we not pay- are we not paying the pastor enough you know friends Car boot sales are fun, but that's in my little world, okay? You don't, have to sh- you don't have to say amen to that, okay? Not everything the pastor says has to be agreed with. But there's a funny thing that happens if you ever go to a car boot sale real early. I mean, before it's light, people turn up, it's before five o'clock because you've got to get your pitch, okay? Somebody's like, what world is this guy living? You turn out with your car full of your junk that you want to uh, sell on and uh, junk, great products that someone else <laughs> might be able to use. Uh, Upcycle, etc. And uh, yeah, you can tell I don't go very often. And so when you get there, uh, the, it's the weirdest thing because there are, there are people that really do go to these things all the time. And so as soon as you open your car door, there, is a, there are people around you like ants. And they're around, and they're circling around, and they're looking in your car. And you go to open up the boot to, 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 to start to set out your, your, you know, your, your, your stall, as it were. And people are already trying to get in your car. Are you selling this? Are you selling that? And they're going, and it's, no kidding, it's intense. I mean, you can't, you can't be intimidated. You say, no, no, I'm not selling anything yet, okay? I'm not selling anything yet. And what happens is they, they're, they're like, they're, they're, if they see your jacket, it's like, are you selling this? No, no, that's my jacket. I want that. You say, is, <laughs> seriously, is that, but is that phone for sale? No, that's my phone. I, that's my stuff. Leave it. Is that your child? Yes, it's my child. Keep it here. So it's, it's like, it's really like they want to get in there, get a bargain. So they, well, theory is they can go sell it for more. If, they, if you're keen to sell, because they, they can tell you're a rookie, Right. And so they're like, we can get this cheap, and we'll sell it on for more. Anyway, I'll let you into a little world there that my wife tries to keep me out of. So uh, the question is this. What things in your life are not for sale? What things in your life are not for sale? Because I have to make it very clear. You've got to hide the stuff you don't want sold because people want it. They're all over it. What things in your life are not for sale? What things are non-negotiable? Because that's where Jesus deals with this so well. We need to take up our sword and we need to know and act upon the word of God. So for example, in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 4 it says, "After uh, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I believe that's an understatement. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now Jesus wasn't... I missed lunch hungry, right? Or I forgot to eat today hungry. He has seriously been a disciplined in seeking the face of the Father. He's, he's 40 days, no food, right? So he is most definitely hungry. And the temptation comes to him, if you're the son of God, why don't you just tell these stones to, to become bread? God's going to help you. God doesn't want you to go hungry, doesn't want you to miss out. But Jesus had made a commitment to fast and pray. And so the temptation is that we change our source in our lives. We change the source of nourishment. It's the temptation is you've got to eat. You've got to eat. That's a totally justified thing to do, right? I mean, it's not a sin to eat. Surely. Surely it's not. Some of you are looking at me like, ooh, pastor. No, no, no. Believe me. It's in the Bible. We can eat. But yeah, the temptation comes to sw- It's not so much about the eating. It's about switching the source of his life. Because how does Jesus reply He doesn't say, well, you know what, I'm not really that hungry, it's cool. You know we sometimes try to deal with temptation by having an argument? doesn't work, friends. I'm not hungry. You are hungry. I don't find that interesting. You do find it interesting. That's why you're tempted. I don't want that. Oh, yeah, but you think you do. What does Jesus reply? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he quotes the Old Testament word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the wisdom there is, he's not saying I don't need to eat. Of course he needs to eat, but not by bread alone. He's got to get his priorities that his source is God and God alone. The source of my life is not up for discussion. Friends, you need to know what is non-negotiable. You need to know what is not for sale in your life because the temptation will come and it will switch the priorities and and it will be there but it is written we shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God and then in verse 5 it says the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple verse 6 if you are the son of God he said throw yourself down for it is written. See, it's kind of, you know, okay, you're going to quote the Bible with me. I'm going to quote it back. Here we go. The devil says, it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift, up your hand, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he quotes Psalm 91. Then he says, come on, if you're going to do Bible, let's do Bible. And he says, what about this? You see, the enemy has a go at using the scripture himself. And you need to remember, just because you can quote a Bible verse, it doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because you, you can quote a Bible verse for what you're planning to do does not mean that's what God needs you to do. Right? You're bit, that's confused us a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of verses in the Bible, friends. It doesn't mean you can apply every one of them and say, God told me. So, there is a temptation here for Jesus. If you're the Son of God. You know, you might be able to impress the country folk around here where you've grown up, but when you head into the big city, when you meet the religious leaders and the authorities in the capital, you're going to have to do something a bit more impressive. You're going to have to do something that gets their attention. If Jesus is Israel's Messiah, why not prove it by a spectacular display of power? Show yourself. In other words, prove yourself. First of all, it's to challenge your source. That you eat something, but now he's saying, why don't you jump? Why don't you prove yourself? Now, Jesus had no need to prove himself. He's had the, the confirmation from the Father himself. He was well pleased with him. And yet in the temptation, it comes. Prove yourself. Do you ever feel under pressure to produce something extra? Just to make put it out there that, this, that you are enough. You see, the whole temptation is spiritualized. Show your total trust in God by doing this. Prove how good he is and how powerful you are. But Jesus didn't need to do that. In fact, if he'd done that, it wouldn't be a show of his trust, but it would have been a show of his distrust because God had already affirmed him. He didn't need to test. The power that Jesus already has for restoring others to life and strength, that was That's what he was going to use it for. It wasn't for cheap stunts. And we need to recognize, friends, the authority in our lives and the gifting and the uh, the opportunities that we have. There will be a temptation that goes with it to prove yourself. Prove yourself. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Quoting again from Deuteronomy. So in other words, Jesus is saying, no, 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 I don't need to prove myself. My trust is unwavering. I don't need to prove myself in this situation because I know who I am. I know that what he's anointed me with, I know that what he's given me the power to do is, to, is not to pull off some tricks and some stunts and some more attention and more followers. No, no, no. Matthew 4 verse 8. Again. The devil, there's three of them, okay? The devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. It's almost like, okay, let's just cut to the chase. I need you to worship me. (laughs) It's almost like, okay, I've tried to get in here. Uh, Now I'm just going to put it out there. You've got got to, you're going to be Lord of all. Here's the shortcut. Worship me. We're good. In other words, these people are in my grip, so you don't have to set your standards so high, worship me, and your mission will be easier. Your mission will be easier. That's a temptation, friends. Sometimes we think of temptation is all the bad things that we're supposed to stay away from. The temptation that the devil wants to go after is your identity and who you are in him. And if you can waste what he's gifted you in something else which is not what he wanted you to be and do. That's where we need to know the word of God, take the sword, And say, it is written. The compromise is the challenge here. This time it's not to jump, it's to bow down, to compromise. There is an easy way, there is a fast track, there is a shortcut when we know that Christ's mission meant going to the cross. And Jesus says he's learning the scriptures and filled with the Holy Spirit. He would have been right from the early days, would have understood the path that I need to walk is not the path that people are expecting. Everybody can bow down if you will just worship me. This can all be yours if you will just worship me. You see, integrity is who you are when no one's looking. Is that right? Integrity is who you are when no one's looking. It's these decisions, it's these conversations that we have. Matthew 4 verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him Only. It doesn't matter how good the shortcut looks. It doesn't matter how convenient the compromise might be. Worship the Lord, your God, and serve Him only. Our worship is how we live. The decisions that we take. Sometimes uh, it's not necessarily a wrong thing, but it's in the wrong place. And that's the temptation. And and Jesus replies, "It is written. My worship is non-negotiable. My worship is not for sale." There's some things that can come and go in life, but my worship to the true God is not for sale. It's not negotiable. So eat, jump, bow down. Notice here that Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. The Israelites, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. They grumbled about their bread, they were continually putting God to the test, and they even involved themselves in worshiping other idols. Jesus passed his test in 40 days. Yeah? He did it, he fulfilled the law in our place. Jesus knew how to deal with temptation, with the Word of God. So I want to encourage us today. I want to encourage us if we just walk through how did Jesus take the sword. I believe that for each of us, we can also know what it means to take the sword, the Word of God, in our lives, in our individual conversations. Sometimes it's public, but very often it's private. And we need to know what the Word of God says for that situation. Have you ever wondered how we have a record of Christ's temptation when he was in the wilderness on his own. Did someone sneak in there and follow him? See all this happening? Jesus must have conveyed to his followers his experience because he knew how important it would be for them to be able to withstand temptation. It is written. Psalm 119 verse 9 says these words. How can a young person stay on the path of purity By living according to your word. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. Friends, the word of God, and I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here because some of us, we've been in church a little while, so we know our Bibles, whether it's in paper form or whichever form we're now reading them in, we know our Bibles, but knowing our Bibles is not going to be enough. I've hidden your word in my heart. I am living this. I am choosing to live according to your word. What did Jesus say about the wise man who built his house on the rock and not on the sand? It wasn't just because he knew the Bible. He says, if you hear my words and do them, Jesus said, you'll be like the wise man. Mm -hmm. It's not the knowledge of the scriptures that's going to save us, friends. It's living the word, which makes the difference. And so the psalmist had it right. How can we stay pure? How can we stay on the right path? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart. That means I've got it close. It's there. It's accessible. I've got the sword when I need it. It's not like I left it at home today. I'm in trouble. No, I've got this, I know I've, the Word is hidden in my heart. I can respond to this challenge. I can respond to this temptation because your Word is hidden in my heart. Let me just say that when you're under its authority, you can apply its authority. That's how the Scripture works, friends. It's not your knowledge of the Scripture. It's not how many verses you've, you've learned off by heart. If you are living under its authority, you can apply its authority in your experience and in your life. Hebrews 4 verse 12 actually says that it judges and knows the thoughts of our heart. It knows the attitude. It's a great word, isn't it? Attitude. We've all got attitude. You don't not have attitude. It's just what kind of attitude have you got? (laughs) And the Word of God knows the attitude of our hearts. So what we allow is we allow the, the Word of God into our hearts. We allow it to, to, uh, to divide spirit and soul, uh, as it were, to judge our thoughts and our attitudes. We allow it to have its way in our lives. We don't fit it into our life, but we adjust our life to the Word of God. It sounds like, oh man, that sounds heavy. That sounds like someone telling me what to do. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. If you found a higher authority to live by, go for it. But I believe the Word of God is an incredible authority in our lives. If we will choose to align ourselves with the Word of God, if we will choose to, to the best of our knowledge, uh, live in the ways it prescribes for us, if we choose to not just try to... It's not a, a checklist, but rather it, it's, we've hidden it in our hearts. So where our attitudes and our thoughts and and where our decisions are coming from, there's the Word of God. There's the Word of God. If you're the Son, if you're a Christian, if you're so good as you think you are, why don't you do that? No, 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 it is written. The Word of God tells me. It's the perspective that it gives me. I choose to align my life with this ancient wisdom which has not gone out of date. This ancient wisdom that still works today. Let me conclude with this scripture in 1 John chapter 2. The followers have been, uh, it says here, I write to you, verse 14, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. It says, I write to you, young men, uh, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. See, this is what I'm trying to say. I've hidden your word in my heart. New Testament language, the word of God lives in us. So I know we have the imagery of taking up the sword, uh, but to go a step further, it's not just about having something with you, but something in you, living the Word of God. And it says here, and you have overcome the evil one. Overcome. That sounds good. Let me just let you into something here. And I love to praise and worship. You know that. And it's important to us as a church family. But you overcome the enemy because the Word of God It's in your heart. I know you can shout and sing, and we've got some good songs about that, but to really overcome is the decision you're going to make tomorrow. That's where you overcome. Spiritual warfare, friends, is not how loud you're yelling at something. Spiritual warfare is the decision you make tomorrow morning. That's spiritual warfare. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The Word of God in us. That's how we move forward. That's how we defeat the enemy. That's how we overcome in life. I write to you because you're strong. The Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. The Scripture tells us when Jesus returned from the wilderness, from this temptation, it says that He returned in the power of the Spirit. I like that phrase. He returned in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit and he went to the synagogue and he opened up the scroll and he began to read from the book of Isaiah and he says, uh, and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and he began to do what God has sent him to be and do. But there will be trials, there will be temptations, friends. If the Son of God had to walk through this and it does say that the devil left him until an opportune time, in other words, there were more temptations to come. This wasn't the last temptation, there were more, Okay. But every time he said, it is written. It is written. I want to encourage us all. We can take the sword, take up the word of God. Let's have it not only as something we know about, but something it's in our hearts. Something we know we can live this out. I wonder if we can stand together this morning. We believe it's important <clears throat> excuse me, for us to pray now. So as I've been speaking, I know there'll be some situations that the Holy Spirit's brought to mind where you've been arguing with temptation instead of speaking the Word of God. I'm not hungry, really. I'm not interested, really. No, you are. You need to speak the Word of God. So I just encourage you, if it helps to lift your hands, if it helps to kneel or close your eyes, however you want to posture yourself right now, But let's believe for the Holy Spirit's equipping today. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you have equipped us and empowered us for the life you've called us to live. We thank you for the armor. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us all we need to live a life of godliness in Christ Jesus. And so, Father God, I pray that it will be our experience today to take up that sword, to take up your word. Lord God, help us to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father God, we thank you that we stand before you accepted, Forgiven, in freedom, children of God, that is who we are. Whatever the tempter might say, whatever the accuser might say, we are your children. So I ask, Lord God, that you would empower us to live as such. By your word we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the, t- uh, the team to lead us in a song. worship, Just a couple of moments now before we close our uh, service. But I believe it's important. Don't start grabbing your coats and everything. Just for a moment, look to Him. So I'm believing if there's a prayer going on in your heart, He'll empower you. If there's a prayer going on in your heart that's like, I'm not sure if I'm strong enough for that, you are in Him. You are in Him. So let's bring that to Him as as we worship Him now that's all from us here on our LRC podcast if there's anything else you would like some more clarification on or you would like to take the next steps in your journey then why not head over to our next steps page at londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps that's all from us here today and we hope you have an amazing week